Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever this podcast may find you. It is I, as always, Gavin. And I, Justin. And we, I think we can keep our gratefuls in. Yeah. We kind of just transitioned from our gratefuls that we do every week and uh, segued right into stuff that we're talking about. Uh, We are rethinking and reorganizing ourselves and how we want to go about this. I guess you could call it weekly. It's not weekly every week, but it's weekly most weeks. Yes. Yes. We're, we're going through that. I talk extensively on sobs as well as some new developments on sob dying again. For again. The fourth time. Yes. Fourth time's a charm. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you, you think so? <laughs> Apparently the Swedes think so. Yeah. Um, we also talk about track days for quite a bit. We do. And we, we you need to get out there, son. We need to both get back out there together because yes. that'll be fun. That would be a lot of fun. So, anyways, that and more. Let's get right into it. Expedition Speed Podcast. Well, um, want to do gratefuls, and that'll help us get into it like it does? Let's do gratefuls, shall we? Um, I found out that we are no longer doing Monday morning meetings at work. <laughs> what brought that up? I don't know. Um, we're just uh, doing just constant, like, level 10 meetings, like, just throughout the day in the week. Interesting. And uh, we're not having, like, big group meetings, but that's, that's not a thing that I'm grateful for. <laughs> I actually kind of liked those, but... What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for the warm weather right now. Yes. Um, my car was indicating 80 on the way out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. That's nice. I'm grateful for my girlfriend. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for um, being able to have a coffee with her this morning on the patio. Hell and we yeah. got to discuss things that we want to do to the apartment because we're looking at her moving in July 1-ish. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's happening. Um, I was up with my parents and Maddie yesterday up in Park City, and uh, we got to have a conversation about rent, which actually went better than I thought it was going to. Okay. Um, I forgot that I was still on my parents' phone plan, and so for now, and they wanted to raise rent. Yeah. And so what we're doing is rent for me is staying the same, and I'm just getting uh, my own phone plan, so... I'll be upgrading, I think. That's understandable. Yeah, I mean, I've had this Galaxy S20 Plus for three years. Which, in modern terms, is pretty good for a phone. That's a long time, and I am just looking for something that does more. And, like, my storage is, like, starting to, like, come up. Yeah. Even though I've deleted 5,000 photos of flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Like, I'm both surprised and not at the same time. Yeah, because I just... Part of the deal with the flower business is, you know, taking a picture of the arrangement at the business uh, in our little, like, uh, photo corner and then sending that photo to either the sender of the arrangement or if the arrangement um, didn't get to the recipient, we'd also send a photo to the recipient saying, hey, come pick up your shit. Yeah. So, um, and I just didn't delete photos <laughs> for four years. Well, three years uh, now with that with that camera or that phone. But, um yeah, I'm excited to get, hop into a new phone. Uh, if this part makes the podcast, does it does or it doesn't have to. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I'm looking to stay Android. Yep. Mostly because of the – and actually, when I say mostly, this is actually all of the reason. I could go iPhone, mm-hmm. but um, the infotainment system in my car <laughs> – I, I did an Android – or I did a – a sync three upgrade or update over like a completely free, just plug a USB into the computer, download the software, plug it in the car and wait a half hour. And I was able to run an Android auto and stuff, but I've tried a couple of times with different iPhones and they've never pulled up Apple CarPlay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Carson's was one. And I don't think we've ever tried with mine. No, but we could. Good. We could in theory. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have to swap out any hardware. I didn't change USB ports. I didn't change the display. None of that. It's just like that. And I quite like having smartphone, free smartphone integration into <laughs> my car. So I think yes. I'm just going to get um, like a, what's the newest Galaxy? The 23? I think so, yeah. So. Understandable. I mean, I, I mean, I was Android for so long before I made the jump, and honestly, yeah. the only reason I'm staying is because of the overall stability. Just the sheer no problems, like in media, for instance, connects to GoPros or anything instantly. Yep. Yep. Uh, it never crashes. It, it. I mean, it's just a more stable device overall because yeah. Apple makes both the software and the hardware. It just is going to be bound to happen. Yeah. But 
no, I understand and respect your decision for not wanting to <laughs> jump the pond because it's ironic. You started Apple and went Android. I started Android and went Apple. I mean, kind of. I've never had an iPhone, though. True, true. I've never had an iPhone. I just started my life uh, in, well, so our first computer, um, our first computer was still a pre-iMac Apple. Ah, gotcha. And then I remember the iMac, like the first iMac that, in 1998 mm-hmm. that had Nanosaur on it, and it was like translucent uh, turquoise. Okay. So um, my parents have been Apple the entire way, and I'm the black sheep of the family with a PC and an Android <laughs> phone. <laughs> See, and mine was PCs and Android the entire way, and then my dad, once Blackberries went away, Apple is the only phone manufacturer that makes true like hardware-based encryption for stuff like that. And that makes sense. Yeah, and so since his job is top secret uh, with, not the job itself, but like he has to have clearance to do it at L3, he right. has to have a phone with encryption, so iPhone it was. Yeah. But the funny thing is he's still rocking like an iPhone 8. Jeez. Because they just don't care to upgrade. In fact, they probably won't upgrade because fingerprint reader with touch ID. Uh-huh. They still wanted to have fingerprints, not uh, not face ID. Oh. So. Wait, they as in L3? Yes. Interesting. Huh? Yep, so okay. they probably won't ever upgrade those phones. I think they'll probably just keep like constantly recycling them, new batteries, shit like that. Oh, my God. Well, it's more eco-friendly. More eco-friendly, and more people should do it, because, I mean, I'm grateful. For, actually, here, I'll start with a grateful. I'm grateful for Apple supporting their devices as long as they do, because none of the Android uh, phone manufacturers come even close. In fact, it's no, really only a they're like 18 months or so, aren't they? They're up to Samsung with the new ones is now saying four years. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it used to be like 18 months, though. Yeah. And then you were not guaranteed anything, mm-hmm. which is pretty shitty. Yeah, kind of. Pretty fucking shitty. So thank you, Daddy Apple, for that. Thanks, Steve Jobs. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm also grateful that out of the first month that me and Carson have been together in business, it You've like- together. Oh. It's something we should tell Bryce. It's one month anniversary coming oh. up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That was, <laughs> that's a sound bite. Anyways. That's um, going in. Everything has gone well. Everything, like, I, all the hurdles that I worried about that we had planned for have more or less, like, happened. And cost-wise, we're doing good. And good. it's just going to keep getting better and better from here on out. And even, nice. even like, my consistency not doing uh, the big jobs at PACAR anymore, I've still had, like, jobs coming in. It's just all worked out great, and I haven't had troubles or worries at this point. So it's good. Very grateful for that. Very grateful to uh, yet again have a house in this economy. Yep. And you have, did well. You did for in 2019. You made the right choice. <laughs> very <laughs> much so. Very much so. And in. Uh, I'm very grateful for the cars that I have. I'm very grateful that now that my truck's at 102,000 miles, it's still fantastically reliable. No right. problems. Oh, well, it's a Toyota. It's a Toyota. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it'll, it'll outlive the cockroaches, it, I'm sure. It probably will. Yeah. No surprise there. No, I'm just grateful for a lot of shit, despite how much shit is shit. <laughs> well, speaking of things that are shit, we're looking at um, a, Utah, a Utah Department of Transportation traffic camera that is located at the top of Big Mountain Pass in East Canyon, and fuck <laughs> me, that that snow is still about five feet tall. Yeah, the signs that indicate the county lines, which are usually at about six foot, are barely I peeking the, out. I think the top of the sign might be just over six foot, and yep. the... Uh, the snow is just below where, like, the actual signage is. It's wild. Like, I mean, we've talked at length about, especially a couple podcasts ago, how much ridiculous weather we've gotten. But since we've had a few more storms since then, and the mountains right. have still gotten a little bit more, I think it was Snowbird past 900 inches of uh, snow. I think it was Alta. Or, yeah, it was one of the two. Yeah, I think it was Alta past uh, 900 inches, which is, like, when, we, when, when they passed 800, we were like, okay, it's time to stop. And the mother of nature was like, hold my fucking beer. And kept going. <laughs> yeah. 900 inches of snow. Yeah, that's a lot. Insanely wild. Like, yeah. never in my wildest dreams would I have thought well, that. Um, and because of that, not because of that in particular, but just the amount of snow and water that we now have, it's interesting because East Canyon isn't that full. Um, and even the the little lake, um, Little Dell Reservoir, which is 
on the emigration side of it. Yeah. Like where that parking lot is and like the boat ramp and that, that stuff. Yep. Um, that still looks really low. I was just there yesterday with the, with our friend Patrick with the uh, B8 and a half RS5 that, yeah. made, that made us famous. Uh, <laughs> and um, that water is still low. But we have flooding s- still in Salt Lake. Um, Sugar House Park is basically completely under fucking water. Actually, also, Patrick, when I was going to re-ceramic coat the wheels in there, I passed Sugar House Park, and yep, it is buried. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't even drive in or out at the moment. Nope. <sighs> and, so that's fun. And this is putting a problem on our ends because a lot of the canyons we would hope to open in the next two to three weeks probably will not. I mean, how amazing would it look, though, if they ran a snowplow... If they ran, if they ran a big, a, a couple of big blades through East Canyon, how amazing would that look with like five to six foot, you know, uh, snow walls on either side of the road? Yeah. The issue would be where do you put cars that need to stop? Well, this is where I wish, in some ways, we were a bit more European because a lot of European countries they don't. Not as many roads close, yeah, because they don't have as much room. So there's quite often only one way to get to one particular town, so they have to plow through all right. of this. And that's where you see those crazy, uh, clicktastic photos of like the six foot mounds of snow where well, you can see yeah, the layers. Yeah, I shared one with the Ferrari Monza SP2 doing a little, you know, uh, drifto, yeah, uh, around a corner, and the, a 911R uh, going through. I, can't, I forget where exactly it was. I think. Uh, the f- a famous photographer, G.F. Williams, mm-hmm. he took photos of the Koenigsegg one-to-one for Top Gear Yeah, uh, on the airstrip. Uh, let's see. It wasn't that long ago, so I won't have to dig that much. Yeah. Yeah, G.F. Williams. Uh, he, he didn't... Uh, Paso Giao. So if you want to look up P-A-S-S-O G-I-A-U. P-A-S-S-O G-I-A-U. It is it sounds, in Italy. It sounds Italian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously in northern Italy, like right up next to the Alps. The, the Dolomites. Mm-hmm. And it's on the northeast side. So mm-hmm. like closer towards uh, uh, Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Holy shit. That looks, let me bring that up for you. Yeah. That, looks, up, that looks like a nice windy road. Like, look at that. Yeah. That looks pretty wild. Uh, here, uh, street feed that shit. I want to see. Uh huh. Yeah. My little guy. How good it is, Street View compatible. I was like, eh, so oh yeah. Sometimes they're not. Wow. Oh my god. So oh, if, this is a photosphere actually that you've landed on, but like, which is on this mountain ridge that over overlooks the entire Paso Gao. Um, pan up a little bit just to see the mountains. Oh yeah, look at that. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. This is oh, this is a drone clearly. Yeah, drone clearly, but like right here, we've got a, what a lodge at the top, mm-hmm. and we're looking down on this road that just God. looks like a bunch of spaghetti. Ironic because it's Italian, but yes. still like, wow! And it goes on both sides too, like down here. Yeah. See, and I wish that's where I wish that we had a little bit more of a need to keep some of those roads open because I don't want development to happen up East Canyon because it's beautiful and preserved. Right. But right. I do wish that there was at least something up there that made them keep the road open. Well, I mean, there's a lake on the other side where people go boating during Memorial Day. Yeah. That's, like, the one, like, hope that I have for them running a plow through there. Yeah. Like, okay, guys, we have a, we have one week until Memorial Day. We got to clear this shit out and, like, make sure we can people can pull over and stuff. And maybe run some snow plows or something to, like, start to clear up pull-out areas, like, you know, the big parking lot at the top of Big Mountain. Yeah. Uh, maybe some pull-offs on the side of the road, um, you know, further down. I wish... I went to go look at Nebo Loop. It doesn't look like... They don't any... have any tr- yeah. cameras up there. That's uh, a bummer. East Canyon is kind of the exception, really, because they don't even have them... Uh, there was one on Wolf Creek. Uh-huh. Uh, go up. There's one... Stop. Uh, you see where it says 35 next to Woodland? Right there. That's at the... Kind of by the gate. And it it's looks clearish out there, but if you move to the right a little bit, uh, there was one that was more towards the top of uh, 35. Yeah. Doesn't look like that. Um, that's 150 up there. Click up uh, that camera. Okay. So that's, that's completely under snow still. Yep. And that's. That's going- not even that far up uh, past Samak. Yeah. Which is funny because that's Cam spelled backwards. <laughs> Utah naming schemes. Uh, thanks, guys. Gotta Appreciate it. it. So, yeah, right now we're in a bit of a predicament because, as we've talked about, we're going to be launching weekly content. However, 
It, we, we just had a meeting about this. We, we, we've had multiple meetings, actually, about our weekly content because we wanted to start the first week of April with some padding. And then by the time, you know, middle of May comes around when East Canyon opens, we would, you know, have a, a, another appetite for more content and then be able to crank shit out. But that's not been the reality. We're at the end of April right now with uh, five feet of snow still at the top of uh, Big Mountain Pass. Yep. And that's just Big Mountain Pass. That's not even thinking about the, the snow that is on the other side yep. that takes longer to melt because of you know the angle of the sun and being blocked off and being colder generally. Um, so we're now at a point where we're thinking about – should I disclose this? I think we can since we scheduled the first ones. Yeah, for the for the twenty people that are listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, we are going to be doing things in seasonal blocks, not like you know a block for spring and then a block for summer, but you know uh, weekly content for the month of May, mm-hmm. and that will give us bias and buy uh, uh, bias some room to uh, create content if we can in May. We definitely need to and should. Yes. Uh, but that will also hopefully give us time in June to release shit in August or July. Yeah. So we ran into the predicament because we wanted to do more consistent content because one of the difficulties with us both being gainfully employed in one way or another and this being a side project and us gearing towards quality and finally, generally, up until this point, having geared towards larger videos that's a lot of like commitment in a very small window of time and then a very drawn out commitment editing it and things like oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Whereas we Which can be done after hours. Mm-hmm. Which this, uh, with weekly content, is more geared towards trying to give some little bite-sized things, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, basically taking the reviews out of those larger format videos and just having yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I the... wonder what, what, what would happen if we did just take, like, the B7 RS4 and the R8 and, like, the 992 uh, Carrera and we just dropped those as videos. I just, I just had that thought. I was like, what if we just did that? I think we could. I think if we did that and we spread them out, where it wasn't like back to back to back to back, where it looks like well, we're rehashing. Like Gavin looks a lot younger here. <laughs> I know. It's like we time traveled. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we could do that, and that might work um, if we like space them out. Maybe and, like, that's what we do for like June. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, June is in like the the year and a, or two and a half year celebration kind of thing. Well, we just way. we have that as filler for when we're not putting out new stuff and, and like you know from a time vault kind of thing. I don't know. That literally just happened in my head just now. So we probably we we might we also might not do that. No promises. Um, but we've had multiple problems getting to this point. One is the aforementioned snow closing canyons and keeping them probably going to be closed longer than normal. Monte Cristo looks super closed mm-hmm. still. Um, Wolf Creek looks super closed. Uh, Mirror Lake Highway looks super closed. Not that we've really done any filming out there, except I would like to. It is a, it's a beautiful area. It is. Um, East Canyon, as mentioned, closed. Uh, Cascade Springs, where we shot... Uh, the B7 RS4 and uh, the NA2 fixed headlight NSX was out there. Um, Wolf Creek was the NC1 hybrid NSX. And what else have we shot at Wolf Creek? R8. We shot R8 there. Uh, I think we did one or two things from RS5 there because most of it was uh, Mirror Lake. We did. Yeah, we did uh, We <laughs> we did the in-car for RS5 on a group shoot day at South Mountain Pass. So we didn't do the, the actual review part on location. Uh, we but we did all of the the flyby for Mirror Lake or for RS5 was the bottom of Mirror Lake. We tried to do rollers there and it was far too bouncy for the setup that we had. Yep. Uh, we did Beauty in Wolf Creek for that. Yep. So yeah, and so that's problem one. Problem two, we've had a few uh, various car malfunctions that have, uh, for lack of a better term, cock-blocked us from being able to do a car. Well, one car had a wheel bearing that uh, was going out just before the guy was selling the car. Yep. So uh, that happened. We had what other car mal- actual vehicular malfunctions? Last weekend. With? The uh, uh, Eleanor. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't start. Oh, yeah, Eleanor wouldn't start. Yeah. Um, and then we've had some cam- or some gear malfunctions. Uh, what was the uh, acronym that you just used? Oh, uh, PebCAC. PebCAC. We, so that we, is... we had some PebCAC with some GoPros on uh, other projects, too. Yeah, PebCAC, uh, for those that don't know, is a, a computer term. That problem exists between chair and keyboard, yep. a.k.a. the human. Yep. <laughs> or it's a, it's a code ID10T. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, like, we've had a couple of those, which have pushed us back probably a good month compared to where we would like to have been. Yeah. 
And if we didn't have the all those delays and setbacks, oh, and also the the code ID ten T that happened with the Porsches in California. Yep, you're welcome. <sighs> but th- those have all set us back, and the weather will continue to set us back, which is why we're trying to do these kind of seasonal blocks right. where you'll get a, you'll get weekly content for a time, like maybe three to five weeks, depending on what we have. Yeah, then. You'll probably get a three to five week break, then three to five weeks more content and kind of block it up like that because that makes it so it's even possible for us to continue to do this right. and make good things. And also, I think there's a side benefit. I had this thought the other day that if we really tried to push weekly content, which we could do, there's no doubt that we could accomplish it if we really pushed stupid hard. The problem, I think, would be we'd run out of interesting things to drive pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, we, we could. I mean, there are some BMWs that I have in mind for sure and mm-hmm. some Corvettes that I have in mind because, like, we have some experience with Corvette, but, like, we're not super extensive. Um, I mean, there are Porsches around. There's actually a lot of Porsches in, in Salt Lake Yeah. Um, of multi-generations and multi-purpose Porsches. Um, I mean, w- what other kind of cars are there? There's, a, I mean, a lot of JDM stuff, so things like, you know, RX-7s and Supras. Miatas. Uh, Miatas are easy. Yep. Th- those are easy to get a hold of, generally. Um, oh, yeah, and Mr. Bradley. Yep. Uh, with all the GTRs. Yep. So, so we- there are things, and just to kind of give you uh, uh, a cliff notes of, like, you know, things that we're looking at doing, but, like, we we, we, we could run out. I mean, there, I have um, a melting pot list. It's kind of like a, a list that Nicolas Cage and Gone in 60 Seconds had. Yeah. Where it's just like, here's all the cars we're going to steal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for it's, here's all the cars we're going to drive. We're going to drive and uh, talk about. And it's a list for sure. And there are people that, you know, we can network with. Maybe some people out of the track. Mm-hmm. Um, people with, with shops out, out of the track that we can do promo for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which we've talked about that, and that would be cool. Because if we got to drive some things on the track that, saying they're not road legal is one thing, but like things that you would not generally drive on the road as a canyon car, yeah, uh, would be. I mean, cool. cars that you can, but like they are really more built for the track. I actually wonder, which maybe this is something we could pursue, where uh, mm. we have a good friend that has a, a black on green GT3 RS, but he also has a track black on green. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. But he also has a track GT3. When did that happen? About six months ago. Is this after his 992 went kaput? Uh, around the same time. Uh, he, what what gen? 991.2. A, a 1.2 non-RS GT3. I believe it is an RS. I. So he has two RSs? The, so he doesn't own the other one outright. He owns it, co-owns that with somebody as a track toy. Oh. And so he he did that because his actual GT3 RS was starting to get pretty beat up. Oh, really? Yeah. Fortunately, it was fully PPF'd, so like nothing's truly damaged. Oh, aesthetically beat up. Aesthetically beat up. Okay, yeah. mechanically, like that should take a lot more oh, than what he's doing. It's fine. Yeah. Mechanically is fine, but aesthetically, it was starting to get a little beat up. And that car in particular was a PTS completely pure black with no flake, with a ton of green accents everywhere, it's, custom it's, paint. It's really well specced. Yeah. Re- really well specced. And on uh, on some beautiful, well, it has a beautiful exhaust as well as it has. Uh, like the lightest weight road legal HREs that you can get on it. Do I know the other owner? I didn't recognize the name, so I doubt it. Oh. Um, but it would be interesting to talk to him and be like, "Hey, could we like have some track time in that?" I I think you and I both need more uh, warm up because I've been on <laughs> yeah. track a number of times. Um, I've had my Fiesta on track. Actually, funny enough, passing. Um, <laughs> Someone in a GT3 RS. That's hilarious. Who was on? They were on Blizzax, to be fair. Okay. They were on Blizzax, but it was also like 43 degrees outside. So it was like, eh, should those be on or not? Who knows? Eh. But I, I, I lapped them a couple of times. That's hilarious. Which was pretty funny. Um, love you, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had my car on track, and our good buddy Scott Chamberlain, um, I've driven his E36 uh, 325IS yeah. out there in a couple of different uh, iterations. The most recent time was in 2017. Wow, is that long ago? Uh, and uh, from the time I had driven it before that time to when I did drive it the last time, he had gotten um, a shorter rear diff, slicks, and I had never driven a car with slicks before. And also uh, a cam and tune, I want to say. And uh, I got to loop it a couple of times. 
Nice. Is this news to you? Yeah. Oh, there's a video. So he has he he uh, had a GoPro on the um on the roll cage uh, um behind us looking forward. Oh wait, nope. I remember this, this is a now. Long, this is a long, a long time, time ago. ago. Long time ago. Yeah, yeah. But um, there was one corner. It's on West Track, and I fucking hate West Track. <laughs> it's it's configured in such a dumb way. Yeah. I mean, says says the moron that's only been on track like a few times in his life. Like yeah. it it is a more technical track. Um, I like East Track more because it's more flowy. Basically, East Track is a stick it in third gear and just d- work on your right foot and yeah. like look at you know maybe go from third to second for a couple of cor- or for like a corner actually really yeah and then you- but it's also more interesting because there's more of an altitude change you get to go over the attitude uh, S curves. Um, there's another corner after that maybe depending on the car where you go into second yeah but it's mostly a third gear track okay it's not as like complicated and there aren't any like triple apex left handers. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck triple D's. I hate them. Come on. That's dumb. Where's your sense of adventure? It's dumb. No, I, I agree. We do need some more um, warm-up, as you called it, or some experience to get I on think, track. Yeah, I think if you took your sob on track, yeah, I feel like that would be a lot of fun. I think it would be, too. It Really, I'd be comfortable with that if I just swapped the tires. Everything <laughs> else I'd be comfortable with yeah. um, to, to just do a track day. It shouldn't be a problem at all. You would you would cook your fluid though. It has uh, dot four in it. How are your lines? Uh, stainless steel. They're nice. Oh, they are. Yes. When were they installed? Yeah. Oh, I, I'd and also, how know. old is your fluid? <laughs> yeah. No, like it could use a fluid exchange. The yeah. lines are probably about ten years. Okay. Yeah, they're they're they probably should, fine. They're probably fine. But um, your fluid would definitely need to get swapped out beforehand. Yeah. And <laughs> and would need to get swapped out again after. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I have a bleeder to do that, so that's easy. That's good. Um, oh, can we do mine? Yeah, we could do yours. Oh, cool. And hopefully, we're actually going to get the quick jacks, Carson's quick jacks fixed this week or next uh, week. What so is that, we... that? Quick jacks? Quick jacks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, to just quickly get the car up, pull the wheels off, yeah. and be able to do that in like less than an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I would feel comfortable with everything else because everything else is pretty tight. That car has an astonishing capability to keep itself super cool. Yeah. Um and I'm not even worried about it on track whatsoever because it I have never had the coolant go above 180. Okay. Like it is The track is the place to test that out. Exactly. It is quite uh chilly for a 80s cooling system. Yeah. Uh with it, a, with a turbo too. Mhm. So and I'm not even worried about that. I've even though that's the original turbo, I've inspected it so many times, it's still pretty solid. Yeah. So, no, it would be fun to do and get get a feeling for it as long as I had different tires because right now the only set of tires I have for that car is snow tires. Yeah, and I've been lazy and cheap and haven't. Uh, there's this guy, Corey, at this uh, four-wheel uh, shop that mm-hmm. apparently does really good alignments. I can get a good deal through my work. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I need uh, tires swapped out and an alignment pretty bad and i might actually need to get them balanced too because i still feel a little bit of shake gotcha it's not like you know there's ice on the wheel bad but there's you know i feel something still no that's understandable um no that would be really cool and a really easy way to do a video too if we could basically get two videos in one get you driving your car and me driving my car on track yeah that actually might have to happen i mean i've talked about this before justin you you have i know you have you just don't listen no i do listen (laughs) but a lot of these things filter in and out as necessity Uh negates yeah yeah anyways i mean if we took a day like a whole day Mm -hmm. where you go out and do yours and i go out and do mine and then we each do one other car like a miata of some kind yeah like get you and sasha's miata and then get me in someone else's miata or someone else's track car that actually that's could... that's the way to do it. Or maybe I go oh, maybe I take Randall's car on track. Randall's lost her N. That would be wild. That would slap. That would slap. That would be so like much fun. Yeah, cuz mm. you you have enough straights that you could really use the power and still get some good turns. Well, it depends on the track configuration, but if True. I did his car on East Track coming up over attitudes, I I'm not saying that I would catch air. You might. But we're getting close. Maybe a tire or two. That that car's fucking quick. And just it just holds on to so much speed. Well, and actually, while we're talking about this, like I am trying to remember. What did they rename Wide Open Wednesdays to? Oh, well, go, go up to UMC's website. That's and, what I got pulled up right um, here. Go to Get On Track. I mean, you, you could do a number of different things. Um, I would look at Amateur Track Days probably. 
it was wide open weekends is what it was at one point. But look at like beginner sessions, I would say. Okay, $75 a person. Never been on Same for before. beginner or advanced. I would probably uh, qualify for advanced only because when I did, I've done a car, the Utah Cars and Coffee when they went out there with um, Godfrey Proof, which was that company was actually like a marketing and like media company and they would host cars and coffees out there. And um, at the cars and coffees, they would have the go-karts open. There was drifting that was happening at the same time. And there, there were two different uh, ca- uh, categories, I guess, of racing that was happening on the track. So they'd split the track into the east half and the west half. Yeah. And um, I hadn't done anything out there in years, and I just somehow pre-qualified for advanced. Gotcha. And advanced, I believe, is east. Yeah, and it doesn't say. It right was at here. least when I went out, but um, go to register now and see what happens. Yeah, so it's under Motorsport Reg, and they have their calendar out. So the next one is May tenth, which is a Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I would probably be able to get out there uh, because Justin, my boss, um, he does track day stuff too. Yeah, and he sometimes take like he took off early on Friday. Uh, to go do something this weekend, I think, with with the Miata. So it looks like they've moved them back to Wednesdays for this year. Yeah, maybe. So I mean, Maybe for this thing, and I don't know. Uh, if you go up to NASA, so what you and I would actually do, um, NASA is a bit more expensive. NASA is like 200 bucks. Yeah. But it's for a full weekend. So get on track, NASA. Yeah, so you do HPDE. And it doesn't show a cost. Here's the schedule. Uh, learn how to get involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just registering for the events. Mm-hmm. So let's just look at the outer loop day. Outer loop is fun. Okay. I haven't done outer loop before, but I've seen. I, I've for those that may or may not know, I've also done a lot of photography out there before doing any driving. I probably did three or four years of just pure track photography first. It's oh, there we go. 319. Oh, wow. 349, 349. Yeah, so they've definitely gone up. They have gone up. They used to be like 200. Yeah, because that's right here. That's a, that's a specific event, which is probably why it's a little bit cheaper. But these no are... Time, no timing on Fridays. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Well, interesting. I mean, it looks like it has gotten more expensive. Not that I'm that surprised. Yeah. Yeah, for three days is 800 bucks. Yeah, Sing- single day three nineteen is the cheapest yeah. when it's like the general class that you can just race in. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that kind of sucks. But I mean, at least uh, I haven't gone back to calling them wide open Wednesdays. But the Wednesday amateur race days are still mm-hmm. seventy five. That's that's still good. Like, that, that's a really easy um, you know access to entry. Yeah, especially for like somebody like me, where I know I could get the hang a rough hang of the track. Fairly well, quickly. And you're not trying to get your license. No. Like, NASA is really, like, if you want to climb the ranks of NASA, that's how you get your racing license. Yeah, that's the first entry into, like, legitimate basic competition. I wonder where that photo was taken, because that's not fucking here. No, that's not UMC at all. No. Um, that is just their banner photo on their website for NASA track days. It's is clearly not uh, at UMC. No. That's kind of funny, actually. That's, that's interesting. But that would be something Oh, well, what's would... Apex track days? Let's see. I feel like, oh, that's for biking. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, see, and on these, they actually label the tracks, whereas yeah. they didn't label them on the amateur days. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if maybe they've just locked the amateur days to one track. Maybe. Uh, go back to amateurs. Boop. Apparently, it didn't like that. There we go. I also think it's hilarious that roll racing is such a thing. I know. <laughs> it's so interesting. Dumb. Um, can I get a refund? Is the first frequently asked question. That's hilarious. Was loud. So Cle- no- clearly, that's you know a Utah question. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking on these. So on the actual that's dates, carding. it doesn't so, show. Uh, open track. That's what it says there. Um, two different run groups: beginner and advanced. Uh, let's see. doesn't say if it's east or west or not. Yeah, and that's what makes uh, it. Click on it, it, the two different run groups is underlined. Oh, that's not a, that's not linked. No. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they. Um, my guess is they may just all segment them to the same track. Dave Kazarian, if you are listening, 
please let us know. Let me know. <laughs> but that would be really cool. Um, he to, just, to he get just bought experience. a Mark Eight. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He had a Mark Seven pre facelift that I think had some mods on it. Okay, but he just uh, upgraded to a, to a new Eight. Nice. Good for him. Yeah, not too shabby. Yeah. Um, it's basically the same as the seven, just different. It is. <laughs> same, same, different, same. Yep. So that might be definitely something we need to do because that's just like you said, that's something we don't have. That a ton says of configuration in. outer loop for that one. That's NASA. Oh duh. Yeah. So that's a NASA one. Um, but none of these say the configuration. Yeah. So th- I think that's something we definitely need to jump into because it is really popular. I mean. Yeah, th- for sure. Th- like we. That that's. The first like taste of competition in the NASA's where you'd really enter in to actually be competitive as the first line. So, yes and no. Um, the amateur track days, the the level of competition is purely based on who's driving. If yeah. you are a competitive person, if you see someone that's ahead of you and you w- want to pass them, sure. But there's nothing put on you. Yeah. Uh, from anyone else, They're, they don't run a clock for amateur track days. You're just uh, feeling out the performance of your car. Yeah, if you wanted to clock, you'd have to run your own clock. Right. Which Which, I guess you can, but like... Wouldn't be too hard. At that level, why? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the only reason you would at that level is to measure your improvement. Right. Like, like if you had a chronograph on your wrist, and if you passed the the start line of, okay, you hit it, and then you run your lap, and then you, again, at the end of your lap, then sure, you can do that. But You could do that to get some metric as how you're doing, but you're not going to have any idea... What anybody else is doing. Right. Or have someone in the side seat running a stopwatch, but like, what's the point? Yeah. So maybe we might have to do that. That'd, that'd be fun. I think that'd be really if fun. If we could take off a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Which I think would be totally doable. Yeah. Um, we could definitely make that work. And then it would be easier because, like we've mentioned earlier, our weekends are kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. They kind of are because we have uh, significant others mm-hmm. and we have families and we. Uh, need to also disconnect sometimes. And I also quite often work Saturdays. And so, like... Yeah, it, true. It's gotten easier because uh, now I have somebody else to shift a Saturday to. But um, that's when most people want my shit done is Saturdays. Yeah, that's that's when everyone else has the day off and they want to get their shit cleaned. Mm-hmm. Especially for, like, a, if a Cars and Coffee's on a Sunday, get it clean Saturday. Boom. Boom. Done. Yeah. Um, well, and I do feel like there would be... <laughs> it would be stressful doing it uh, maybe not doing four cars. If we did just you know our two cars, mm-hmm. we could. I think I feel like there would be a a self healing aspect to that of like, oh, I don't get to go to work today. I actually get to like go do some fun shit out of the track, you know. And I would love to see like the limits of my sub. In fact, actually, just before we started recording this, we watched a few different Nurburgring videos while we yeah. were talking about our. Uh, like what we were going to do with our weekly content. And one of them that I pulled up was an old video I found of a Saab 900, like going on the Nürburgring that was clearly prepped for the track, yeah. not a daily or in, in no. any way. Um, but looking at like what that was able to do, and I don't know the specs of what was done to that, I'm like, it'd be cool to see what the limit is. How far could you actually go with a chassis like that that in no way, shape, or form is meant to do that? Sure. Um, just because it is... It would it would be interesting to see the looks on the track of seeing like my car. Oh, you would get attention for sure. You would be the only sob, uh, probably the only sob period. Yeah, definitely the only sob pre GM. Yep. out there. Yeah, because there are some post GM sobs. For instance, if you get like a Vigan, which is a nineteen ninety nine to two thousand three sob nine three, you can make those competitive, but they weren't competitive from factory. There's a lot of. I mean, things. it's the whole thing about turning your car into something that it isn't. Well, and that car was just flawed because the they didn't have the money to make the chassis as rigid as it needed to be for the amount of power that was in it. The engine yeah. was great, and it could produce a pretty good amount of power, being 270-some-odd horsepower sure. for a four-cylinder of the day. Yeah. That's more than 100 horsepower per liter, Yeah, which is pretty good. However, the chassis was very dynamically flawed, but there are fairly easy bolt-on fixes that repair those problems with some subframe bracing and a few other things yeah. that bring it back up to where it should have been to begin with. Maybe, yeah. Because, like, you've driven one, and they're... Yeah, but that thing was a fucking sloppy noodle. It, yes, and that's how they are. Yeah. They just need some reinforcement. And then after that, the only one that is actually competitive from factory was what was the Saab 9.3 Turbo X, 
So that is a roughly Haldex-based all-wheel drive turbo V6 yeah. uh, in sedan form that actually can do some pretty good damage. And there are some of those I've seen. There's also the 92X, which is a Subaru. Yep, exactly, which is literally a WRX in a suit. In a sob suit. Mm-hmm. So most of the older cars, they're... Like, mine was as, quote-unquote, dynamic as it got. <laughs> yeah. So it would be really interesting to see that and to see the reactions. I think that would be the funny part, is just watching, like... That's not why you should do it, but, but it would be interesting to see. It would be a funny side benefit of just seeing, like, whoa, you bringing that out here? Hell yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to see what... <laughs> it's really the one thing you haven't done with that car. It is, because I've driven it through snow in daily times plenty of times. I've towed shit with it. Uh, it's big enough that I've hauled my engine lift in it, drove it across country. You've, d- you've just driven it across country, you know, to begin with. When yeah. you bought the thing, you bought it in Boston and, you know, took a B, B roads mostly the way home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done most everything else with it. Um, so, yeah, track really should be in its future, especially because it does need to get put away for some body healing here in the next year or two, as yeah. I mentioned before. Yeah. This could be a good, like... Uh, approaching final send-off of like, okay, I've done a track in it in its original configuration, then it's time to go, okay, it's time for retirement for a bit. Yeah, and in order for me to do this, I need to, first of all, get my Extreme Contact Sports on, because I'm still on my Blizzax. Um, I do feel like if I did another track day, my pads would be completely fucked. Yeah. And I've already swapped pads since my last track day, so I just need a new set of pads. And rotors, probably. I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in my rotors for track day. For for daily driving, they're more than adequate. And uh, for some light canyon driving, they're fine. Uh, for, like, you know, three, four-tenths driving, they're fine. But yeah. for anything really beyond that, they need to get swapped out. So that's something that I need to do, too. And probably um, flush out my fluid, because yeah. uh, we... I can't remember if I put new fluid in when the last time I did my pads, but... Whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. Well, it's good you're actually doing it because most people don't at all. Oh, yeah. They just don't even think about it. Yeah. I'm really picky, especially having driven the water-cooled Porsches that I've driven. Yeah. How fucking amazing, like, a a set of GT3 brakes are. Mm -hmm. It's ruined me completely for anything else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or, I mean, the NSXs, too, that we drove. Like, those were great, too. Pretty much all of them, which is funny because the NSX brakes, and I even mentioned this when we were, I think, both times on shoot, like, they really are technically pretty basic. If you look at the calipers, they're just a standard two-piston floating caliper. Sure. Nothing fancy, but yeah. they just did it in a, such a right way mm-hmm. that it is beautiful. Yeah. They, it's super predictable, lovely pedal feel, like just the right amount. Yeah. Straight up. Yep. And Straight up. No, I, I would love that. I would love to see my sob on track and see what it can do. So we'll have to definitely do that. And I'm... I don't know. I'm excited for the future of what we're trying to do here uh, with just the EOS Exhibition of Speed brand in general sure. for all you people, both for us and for it, because we're... And for the six people that give a shit. Mm-hmm. We're going through what I would say is like a second growth phase. Like, we've done our initial shit with the Audi video, with those well, larger videos. Well, everything pre-Audi, mm-hmm. too. That was like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I would say, yeah, this is the third time. So we had, what are we doing, which was 2018 through 2021. Like, through t- 2020, yeah. Yeah. And then we did the video and launched it 2021 with the Audi film. Then we saw success, and we're like, oh, shit, let's try this. And we... Yeah. We, we found a little bit more of our individual voices as well as like how we both function when it comes to doing things on sets, on video. I learned a lot. Yeah. And, and how to actually create video. And now we're looking at what's the next stage. And so mm-hmm. we're looking down the pipeline of how making... do we actually grow? Yes, exactly. Yeah. How, how do we actually gain some more momentum than we do? Because we have gained some momentum if you look at it yeah our subscribers have gone up yeah our average video count does go up faster than it did but it's not amazing yeah so hopefully let's get it there uh, yeah let's get it there and uh, from what we've done so far i i think i can confidently say that we'll be able to do shorter content still maintaining most of the good quality of the larger stuff. Well, and the quality there is going to be in the editing and also in the sto- the actual storytelling of what's yeah. actually happening on camera and, you know, having clean cuts and having, like, decent music that, like, kind of fits the vibe. And um, while everything might be shot on GoPros, mm-hmm. I still want to have, like, the, the, 
the storytelling ability that we have in our bigger stuff. Yeah. And the amount of focus that that takes, but just in a, you know, uh, a more digestible form factor. Yeah, bite size. Yeah. yeah the, the fun size. See, it's not small. It's just fun size. <laughs> <laughs> keep telling yourself that, Justin. Okay. Keep telling yourself I'm that. I'm going to keep telling myself that till the day I die. Uh-huh. So I'm really excited to see what we can do with that, even though we're not able to do that on Canyon Roads yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's where we kind of started this conversation from, huh? It, yeah, because... <laughs> who the fuck knows we don't know when they're gonna open we don't know yeah. when we'll be able to regularly when go that out. day happens though it's gonna be such a sweet fucking relief of I can't believe we're back here finally even though that day might be in June at this point it might be ah it's pretty wild no I I'm also excited to have some new experiences not just new experiences from the video perspective but from the driving perspective because even though I've driven all the NSXs now and things like that I still don't have much experience with most Japanese cars yeah I'm still uh, fairly locked into what I like as we all are we're all humans we have tastes but to feel a bit more of those and to kind of experience uh why somebody would get something that's usually what I'm thinking when I'm behind the wheel is like what drove the person that bought this to own this over any alternate option? Sure. And sometimes that's a difficult thing on a Miata. That's a very obvious reason. It's a cheap, good, reliable Japanese sports car. Yeah. Point blank. That's what it is. Yeah. But with something like my Saab, that's a weird one. What drove somebody to pay more than like mid-level 3 Series money for this? Right. Which is a question I still haven't been able to truly ascertain with my Saab, because as we've mentioned before, my Saab costs the equivalent of like somewhere in between seventy five and eighty five thousand dollars adjusted for inflation. Right. Like big money yeah. for what it is. And so trying to get into well, the- I mean, you you can't you also can't compare, you know, what your Saab is to cars that are currently being sold. Yep. Or the you know, a value of um of dollar to driving experience level mm-hmm. because cars you know as we all know they've all changed and they've grown in size and they've grown in power and while doing that they've also been become more comfortable and more dailyable yeah i mean w- what you really have to do with that kind of car is compare it to an e30 compare it to maybe an e28 uh, if you're talking bmws uh to compare it to a 190 not the cosworth but yeah. a 190e um i mean what other uh, executive uh, sporty cars were really out there at the time and compared against those. So those would be one. Um, I guess, in theory, uh, you could... Or cr- Audis from that era, too. Yeah. Here's a funny thing, though. So I looked up what an E30 um, M3, I believe. Let me make sure this is an And M3. that's not what I was talking about, either, though. Oh, you were talking about just like an... Like e- a th- 325 IS or something. Gotcha. So... Here was the crazy thing. An E30 M3, at least from what I just looked up, because I was just curious on like the highest end E30 you could go, how much that For cost. an hour then? For for back then, like how much it was new, MSRP. Yeah. Um, it was around thirty dollars to $35,000. So my Saab was actually more expensive than an E30 M3 new. Well, that's just ridiculous. Oh, I agree. <laughs> that's why I, that question is still in my head, yeah. is who paid that much for my SPG? Granted, E30 M3s were also not six cylinders. True. So, I mean, for the executive daily driver kind of thing, like the person that was buying an E30 M3 back in the day was the one that actually wanted to feel like a fighter pilot or a race car driver because... That was the car that took on the 190E Cosworth and DTM and kept killing it. Yeah. So, and also, be, you know, better front engine, rear wheel drive dynamics and, you know, that stuff. Um, it's understandable why you'd pick an E30 M3 over a 900 Turbo. Yeah, it's still pretty wild. Yeah. Lot- I mean, the, he, here's the answer to your question, though. It's the person that is... that that. Purely wants to be different for different sake. The the Saab 900 Turbo is for the contrarian. Mm-hmm. It oh yeah, oh, always yeah. has been. Uh, someone who wants to stand out and look like they have taste, not mm-hmm. just look like they have taste, but someone who might actually have taste. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld had one. Yeah. Um, he had Saabs before Porsches, or maybe simultaneously. I can't remember his actual timeline, but 
That's his timeline, not mine. <laughs> I mean, even even Magnus Walker in the one piece of content he's done with it mentioned like this is a baller car. And there was also the one um like podcast episode you shared with me that I think it was wasn't it Farah that was talking about balling on a budget cars, like you you know, bought this to look like you were actually I don't know. I, I can't remember. There there was a podcast episode where there was two guys discussing it and they had determined that like, oh yeah. Like a Saab 900 Turbo, you are balling on a budget today because you can get them for cheap, but you look just as, you know, to oh. a passerby yeah. as mu- as good as like an M3 of, yeah. the, of the era. Sure. Um, no, looking at it, the other metric I looked at is E28 M5 launched at about 50 grand. So, like, my car was only about five grand shy of an E28. It's just you should have bought the E28. Oh yeah, to be clear, mm-hmm. to be fair, I I don't even think I would have, as I've mentioned before, I don't think I would have paid what my Saab was new. Because no. it's no. just not the uh, not the winner in any of those categories. Mm-hmm. But I am excited to see what it does. There was one more thing I wanted to talk about. And my oh, I saw you pulled farting. up a 2011 uh, Lancer Evo. Oh, yeah. This was funny. So this is on Cars and Bids right now. It's a 2011 one-owner uh, manual Evo. Yeah, Evo 10. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's not that high of miles. Let me make sure... Um, yeah, 90,000 miles, so, like, not bad. Okay. Um, not crazy, but what I think is interesting is how cheap this thing is currently going for. It's only at six grand with under two days left. It says 15 grand. Oh, so somebody finally threw a good bid in. Yeah. Well, it was cheaper. <laughs> that was yeah. the reason I initially pulled it ah. up, is that it was going for cheaper, and the great thing about this is that it is not in perfect cosmetic condition. This would be a fantastic car to buy and it from the list I read it's pretty mechanically straight. Have you driven any of these? I haven't driven an Evo. Okay. Of any gen. Of any gen. Yeah, I've I haven't driven an eight or nine. I drove a ten back when I was really fucking bad at driving stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um in twenty fourteen when we had the um R the twenty ten R thirty five GTR, mm-hmm. the twenty fourteen press car R thirty five GTR and then we drove um, a press car Evo that was a stick. And well, it, it, that was one of my first moments of going like, because I was on, I, I was I was driving this Evo 10, mm-hmm. and I was on the ass of a dude in, who owns a 2010, at the time, owned a 2010 R35 GTR, yeah. but he was driving the press car. Uh, this was uh, go, driving through the 33 by Ojai. Uh-huh. And, uh, I was on the ass of this dude, and that was one of the first moments of driver over car moment <laughs> of like, wow, I shouldn't be on the ass of this guy. But the whole premise of that video, this is for everyday driver that we did this. Um, you know, R35 GTRs at that point were just crossing over a hundred grand. Yeah, and the Evo, you know, you could get brand new for just over thirty. Is the, is the R35 actually three times the car? Which I don't necessarily think it is, but also when you step inside an Evo, holy shit, is it fucking basic? Yes, I mean, looking at like this picture alone, it well, is. It, it's sparse, and that uh, infotainment on there is added on. That is yes. not original. Uh, the one in this uh, in this particular list, cars and bids thing, and then I've driven. I drove one through Wolf Creek. Uh, that was a dual clutch. And it was lowered, and I kept rubbing on a bunch of fucking corners, and it was really f- infuriating because I couldn't like actually drive the car how I wanted to. Yeah. Even though we were moving at a pretty good clip still, um, and then I drove one with our buddy Jordan, and his buddy that has a and actually a, a stock Evo Ten. Like those are rare now. Yeah. Uh, the the only modification was kind of like what this car has uh, on the listing with a uh, infotainment on it. But that was it. Yeah, that and that's one of the reasons why looking at this, I'm like, this would be a decent car for somebody to get if, I mean, it's gotten more expensive now pretty quickly. But, like, one owner, basically stock, just regularly driven one of these, mm-hmm. like, would be a pretty good ground to build a solid car off of. Well, for sure. Yeah, and you could take it in a couple of different directions. I mean, I know people personally that have done, you know, show car builds where they throw it on bags and it's wrapped and has crazy wheels on it. Yeah, they make an Instagram following about it, and th- there are other people that do tires, brakes, you know, wheels maybe, and uh, some go fast parts on it, and they take them racing. Yeah, and they these drive really well. These drive they actually drive better than the STI. I would rather own an STI. Yeah, 
uh, because it's just a nicer place to be. Um, I also have owned Subarus before. It just feels more like home. Yeah. Um, but it's also the Subarus are nicer places to be. But I, these do drive better. Yeah, and I think the Subarus, from a more daily perspective, would have a better reliability chance. Depends. Uh, if you get a dual-clutch Evo, definitely. Yeah. Because those were not great. Like, they would overheat on, like, canyon drives. Like, the transmission itself would overheat, and it yeah. would throw coats. Um, especially, like, the early tr- uh, the press cars. Like, they were... Like, they weren't blowing transmissions, but they were boiling over on track. Gotcha. So, um, I would definitely, if we're talking auto to manual, like, definitely the Subaru. Yeah. Manual to manual, I would still probably choose, um, no, manual to manual, I would, mm, it depends. I also don't believe in buying something that is based on an economy uh, or an economical, you know, micro car. Yeah. Not micro car, but um, economy car, chassis. I don't believe in buying one of those to be a fun car. Even if like the Evo is fast or the STI is fast, I don't think that should be the fun car. Yeah, I feel I, I feel like the fun car for me should be something that was built from the ground up, from the actual chassis level, to be fun. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I think so. I mean, you can say that especially. You own one. You own a Fiesta ST. It was and an that, economy and, car. Uh, yeah, and that's my daily driver. I don't feel like... If I, like did really well with like work and business and stuff. Maybe I would keep the Fiesta to like keep me grounded, but I would keep that as a daily. I wouldn't build that out to be a track car. I would go buy a Porsche. Yeah. You'd buy something that was meant for that. Or yeah, or if I wanted to save money, like get a used Miata or get mm-hmm. an S2000 or get something else that was like this is what this is for. Um I don't feel like or I believe in buying a car and then trying to change it into something it fundamentally is not. That's, yeah. just, that's just me, though. Um, no, I did remember what I wanted to talk about, though, because it was something you sent me. Sorry about the microphone bump. Um, it was the Saab uh, thing. Oh, yeah. So, uh, to catch everybody up, Saab officially died in 2011. What happened is in 2010, GM sold them to Spiker. Spiker declared insolvency when it came to Saab. Yeah. The name Saab, was, the rights to that were relinquished back uh, to the jet company, because that's what had happened, is they were basically leasing the rights to use the name for the cars. Mm-hmm. And the assets were sold off, most of which were bought back up and created a local company called National Electric Vehicles of Sweden. Very catchy name, not really. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a lot of the original Saab engineers and even some people they poached from Volvo for the past decade trying desperately to create like new things for the brand, mainly electric cars. Yeah. And they have yet again shuttered doors due to financial issues because they were never able to get off the ground. But they did reveal more specifics on their most finished product, of which they have six functional prototypes. Which is funny. You say it's new, but I'm looking at the roof line, and that looks an awful whole lot like the end of run 9.5. I think it is. I think probably a bunch of this is what they could borrow from the chassis from GM that that was based off without like actually creating legal issues. Right. So what I thought was crazy about it was primarily that the car might never see the light of day, but the design, being it was redesigned up to uh, from the ground up to be an electric vehicle, was pretty cool. 600 miles of range, a fairly large battery. Each individual wheel has a motor instead yep. of having you know two motors with a diff like Teslas do. Right. And lots of other features that, I mean, a 600-mile range on an EV is still pretty much unheard of for an actual functional, like, dailyable car. The Lucids are cracking over 500. Yep. So 600 being that they're presenting these figures as, hey, we do have these functional prototypes that do function. That kind of sucks that they're in a position now where they might not continue again because they got fairly close this time. Uh, to That's a stupid seat. What the fuck is that? It's a little weird. They definitely, um, I mean. <laughs> also, yeah, so we're looking at some seats that are inside this. Uh, uh, Emily GT is what they called it. W- whatever that is. <laughs> um, clearly those are iPad. <clears throat> excuse me, iPads. Yep. That are just tacked onto the back. But like the upper quarter of the seat has this cavity exactly where like the middle of your upper back like be. rests. Um, that doesn't actually look that comfortable, but it looks futuristic, so people are, you know, might be interested in it. Yeah. Um, 
So we'll have to see what happens yet again. This will be the fourth time that the Saab or Nevs in this case has gone kaput. Yeah. It's it has been the consistent like punching bag for about three decades now. It's, well, it's about well three decades. Yeah. Well, since because they did base when GM bought out half the company in 1990, it was because they were approaching insolvency. Oh, gotcha. Then it happened. But they stuck around for another decade. Mm-hmm. Or and then, two. and then they bought the rest of the company when it was starting to approach insolvency again in 2000. Yeah. Then they sold it in 2010. Then it declared bankruptcy in 11. Like, yeah, it's been a constant story. And so, looking at these, this in the Elio, really. Yeah, looking at these, <laughs> I mean, God knows what'll happen now. Volvo did express interest in potentially buying the shit and still running it, but like, that'd be cool. I don't know. It's weird it, to look at like this auto manufacturer and look at what they did with six fully functional prototypes and be like, man, that would be cool to have something like that in the EV space because we most of the EVs in the EV space are kind of boring. <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, is the Lucid boring? Well, it's not. So but I'm. They're also like struggling right now, I mean, yeah. and Rivian is also struggling. Yeah. Um, Volkswagen has the ID four. Mm-hmm. Kia has options. Yep. Uh, Hyundai Ionic five. I still quite like that. I like the Ionic five and the EV six. I think they're both <laughs> both different enough to be interesting, but they're not like i three levels of hey, we're gonna make you really know that this is not a normal car, right? So I think they've done it well. A lot of the other options are, like, questionable. Mainly a lot of the cars that are converted to be EVs are like, yeah. eh, that's kind of boring yeah. and dumb. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm hoping that something comes out of this and that somebody is able to utilize this. Because, again, 600-mile range and a fairly normal four-door, what looks like the traditional slope liftback design. Uh, oh, I mean, that looks like they completely took the t- the same tooling from the 95 Aero mm-hmm. that came out in 2010. Yep. Uh yeah, th- that looks like they might even be platform sharing and I would question actually how much of this car is actually new. Yeah. I would as well, but uh RIP again. Uh, we'll see uh Saab at this point is a cat that literally has nine lives. <laughs> yeah. It will continue to come back somehow and haunt those of us that loved the brand for like, what hey, it was. Hey, remember us? Like, yeah. Go make something. <laughs> I, I know. And it sucks because you could tell tons of people probably put in passion, but oh, sure. passion's not enough In the at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, true. So, well, I mean, the Italian's been selling on passion for decades, but yeah. They distill it. Like, they distill passion into their cars, according to certain people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. um, well, cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the other side by the next episode that comes out. Oh, wait. Yeah, so... We're going to have podcasts drop on Mondays, Mm -hmm. and we'll have videos dropping on Sundays. Yes, because we found out most of you, based on our analytics, are uh, millennials, so you're up at around noon on a Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, boomer. I know. Uh, um, Which is funny, because I don't get any notifications, really, from videos from other content creators dropping on Sundays. Yeah. So it makes me wonder... um, and that's just of our subscribers. I mean, we have 3,000 subscribers, but we hope to get more than 3,000 people watching videos. Yeah. Granted, if we also got 3,000 people watching videos every week, that isn't the Audi video. That'd be a huge bump. That would, that'd be a nice bump. So, uh, yeah, for the last time, this is going to be our new <laughs> regimen because we, we've bounced back and forth a bunch. But Sundays, starting in May, 12 o'clock, be there or be square. We're going to have videos dropping. Uh, we should still honestly start um, promoting merch because guess what? We haven't fucking sold anything. Yeah. So um, go get our merch. We I'm, I'm looking at a pile right now. Yep. Um, I'm going to actually take a picture at the end of this, a, a very angry picture <laughs> for our Instagram and be like, buy our fucking merch. Please, now, do um, it. Give me money. Uh, <laughs> make, make me not re- regret doing this anyways yes. or make you not regret doing this um buyer shit i have watch articles coming out actually we didn't even talk about what's on my wrist and i actually have some shit that's in a, a little little bag little uh travel carrying case uh brought to me by the horological society of utah this is actually a really nice case it looks like it yeah it's definitely worth 100 bucks a year <laughs> hey yeah that's not bad um yeah 
anyways, yeah, I'm I'm currently wearing a Tudor Black Bay 58 in blue. Um, I have another Omega uh, Seamaster Professional, mm-hmm. uh, the No Time to Die version, James Bond Special Edition that's in here. And also a crazy one-handed watch given, not given, but lent to me by my Faja, my father. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty sweet watch. It's cool, yeah, one-hander to tell the time. So um, look for those reviews coming to our website shortly um i need to actually put the review for this black bay out because god i fucking i want this so bad (laughs) and actually i wanted to um one of my favorite things about this is something that the viewers or the listeners can actually enjoy while not having a visual it's actually an auditory thing okay and it's the sound of the bezel going around because this is the most satisfying bezel i've felt in like basically any watch ever okay And it lines up exactly at 12 o'clock. So uh, stay tuned uh, for more of uh, the Tudor Black Bay 58 coming in the uh, coming weeks to the Expedition of Speed website. I'm starting to run out of things to say, and uh, I think that means we're it's time to go. Yes, yep. words is tough. Okay, see you later. Bye. <laughs>